When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There, welcome to the tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Yes, we've hit on this topic before, quite recently, in fact. And yes, I'm totally obsessed with it. And yes, it needs to be stressed more and more. I'm desperate to get through to you on this stuff. Substrates are more than a set and forget thing. They're a dynamic, functional part of the miniature ecosystems that we create in our aquariums. Now, we've used the basic stuff for a generation, it's time to open up our minds now to a few new ideas, to rethink substrate, to reconsider why we incorporate substrate and what we use. Of course, taking an historic perspective never hurts either, right? As we know, the substrates that we've been using in our aquarium work for most of the past oh, 50 or so years in the hobby have been fairly standard. Much of what hobbyists have used has been finer gravels, like what hobbyist who didn't start as a kid doesn't remember the famous number three aquarium gravel that's like the industry standard for a generation right yeah now occasionally you'd see some finer sands and much finer gravels but with the emergence of the under gravel filter in the 50s and 60s the corner the, the coarser materials were far more common in the late 60s and early 70s more exotic materials like the beloved black gravel appeared. That was some crazy shit. Like what kid didn't love having that black gravel with some neon tetras or cardinal tetras swimming above it. And remember that stuff? I used to crave that stuff. That was the coolest stuff ever. Of course, in the 1980s, the reef aquarium hobby came, bursted on the scene and it began to take off. And materials like crushed coral, dolomite, oyster shells, and eventually aragonite started to come into the game really realistic functional stuff. Dolomite was also much loved by the African Rift Lake cichlid crowd. In the 90s and early 2000s, you really started seeing the emergence of sands of various sorts, making a big presence known. Manufacturers started cranking out some really cool stuff based more on what you might expect to see in some wild habitats rather than just what material could be, you know, appropriated from a different industry like landscaping or construction or whatever. You also saw, saw, you know, far more varieties of nutritious substrates for planted aquariums many containing volcanic materials or clays designed to grow aquatic plants as efficiently as possible. To me, this was a big turning point in the aquarium substrate universe. We had really functional substrate materials at last, materials created for the express purpose of growing plants, and that was really cool. However, as a huge fan of aquarium substrates, to me, it seemed like a little innovation was going on in the fish-centric side of the substrate world. I mean, some of the sands marketed by the major manufacturers are incredible, and I absolutely love them and use them extensively. Yet, they were and are geared more for aesthetics than function, in my humble opinion. Well, function in the sense that, you know, the, the right grade for perhaps biological filtration or whatever, but other than, other than the physical size, very little has been placed on the function functional aspects of these substrates. These materials are of generally excellent quality, provide a wide range of choices for a variety of applications, and are readily available. I have nothing bad to say about them. Now, 
In many of the tropical regions that we admire, the basic substrate is often referred to simply as fine white sand in most scientific papers, typically but not necessarily a silica of some sort. And of course, other locations have slightly larger grain sizes or other pulverized stones and such. Still others are comprised of sediments which wash down from higher elevations during seasonal rains. Studies have shown that particle sizes tend to decrease the further downstream from the source that they're found. Large rivers like the Amazon have beds of shifting sand slowly transported with the currents. Typically, the larger the item, pebble, rock, or boulder, or whatever, the longer it tends to stay in one place. That makes sense, right? So in a more powerful flow, you're more likely to find larger sized materials because everything smaller got shifted downstream. The first recorded observations of bed material of the Amazon River were made in 1843 by Lieutenant William Lewis Hunterdon of the U.S. Navy when he traveled the river from its headwaters to its mouth, sounding the depths and noting the nature of the particles caught in the heavy grease smeared to the bottom of his sounding weight. He reported the bed material of the river to be mostly sand and fine gravel. Oltman and Ames took samples of a few locations in 1963 and 1964 and reported that the bed material in Obidos, Brazil to be fine sands with medium diameters ranging from 0.15 to 0.25 millimeters. So yeah, there's a lot more we can uncover when we look towards nature, particularly when we look at scientific papers in regards to substrate. Yeah, you've likely seen and heard me talking about all my different work with different substrate materials like leaves, botanicals, clays, and sediments and all that stuff. I've shared this with you all over the place. That culminated in the release of our nature-based line of sediment and substrates, which were specifically formulated to recreate on both a functional and aesthetic level the substrates that are found in some of the unique ecological niches that we are obsessed with. Okay, I can go on and on with my amateur, highly unscientific review of substrate in Amazonia and elsewhere and the history of you know, substrate in the aquarium hobby and touting my new substrates in the most geeky and self-serving ways, but you get the point. And that's not what the point of this article is, or this podcast in this case. Suffice it to say, there's more to substrate materials found in nature than just sand. That's the biggest takeaway. So as hobbyists, we have more options and inspiration to draw on to create more compelling functional substrates in our aquariums. So what kinds of materials can we employ to create more functional substrates, which just happen to look cool too? What kind of functions and benefits can we hope to recreate in the confines of our aquariums? Well, first off, think beyond just sands or anything resembling conventional aquarium substrate. Think about what goes on in the benthic bottom regions in the natural habitats that we love and what benefits or support the materials which aggregate there provide for the organisms within the ecosystem. Understand that the substrate is a dynamic, extremely important part of the aquarium too. And what we construct our substrate with and how we manage it is of profound importance to our fishes. Fostering fungal growth as well as other microorganisms and small crustaceans should be a huge component of the why we do this. These organisms, as we've discussed repeatedly, form a part of the food chain within our captive ecosystems and offer huge benefits to the aquarium, not only as potential supplemental nutrition for fishes, but as a means to process and export nutrients from within the botanical style aquarium. A combination of finely crushed leaves, bits of botanicals, small twigs, etc. can form the basis for a more biologically active and even productive substrate. As these materials break down, they're colonized by fungi and biofilms and impart tannins, lignin, and other sources of carbon into the water to fuel a variety of microbial growth. And of course, larger crustaceans and even fishes will consume the organisms which live in this matrix as well as possibly consuming some of the detritus from the decomposing leaves themselves. This is precisely what happens in natural systems. 
I'm fascinated by the different types of soils or substrate materials which occur in black water systems in particular and how they influence the aquatic environment. Keep in mind that many of the habitats that we obsess over here at Tannen, like uh, Amazonian agapos and agarapes, are seasonally inundated forest floor features. So it goes without saying that the terrestrial soil composition and associated biomass have significant influence on the aquatic environments that emerge during the wet season. It's a very different looking and functioning substrate for sure. And it can be absolutely replicated successfully in the aquarium. I've done this many times and some of you have done it as well. Adding materials reminiscent of those found in the wild to augment or completely replace the more traditional sands and other substrates used in aquariums is an easy mental shift that we can all make and act upon. With our embrace of detritus or mold as a sort of fuel for creating biological systems within the confines of our aquariums, I think that the idea of an enriched substrate replete with botanical materials will become an integral part of the overall ecosystems that we create. Considering the substrate as both an aesthetic and functional component, especially in a non-plant focused aquarium, opens up a whole new area of exploration for aquarists. I envision that the future of mainstream aquarium practice may include creating such a substrate as simply part of what we do. Adding a mix of botanical materials, live bacterial and small organism cultures, and even some detritus from healthy aquatic systems maybe just become how we establish systems. For blackwater botanical style aquariums, which tend to be less plant focused, establishing the ecosystem is really important. And the idea is not that crazy or out there. It's been long practice to add some sand or filter media from established aquariums into new tanks to help jumpstart the necessary biological processes. This is not alien to us. It makes sense. And the overall concept is really not that difficult to grasp. And we probably shouldn't get too crazy trying to understand every single aspect of this practice. Suffice it to say, something about this practice works for reasons which we are already tangentially, boy, do I stumble over that word, tangentially understand. In other words, for other reasons, <laughs> in a strict aesthetic sense, the bottom itself becomes a big part of the aesthetic focus of the aquarium as well, with botanicals placed upon the substrate, or in some cases, becoming the substrate. Okay, that's cool. Now, what are some of the other materials that you can play with to create these alternative substrates? Get to it already, Feldman. Well, how about twigs? Yeah, we've talked about twigs before. Twigs are really fascinating to me as a substrate because not only do they create an interesting looking substrate, they provide a unique functional benefit as well. They create interstitial spaces, which are defined as spaces between objects, which create areas for various fauna like small crustaceans, worms, and aquatic insects, as well as a surface for biofilm, algae, and fungal attachment and growth. The matrix will offer protection for these organisms to grow, sort of like an in-tank refugium, look that term up. Of course, it also provides a foraging area for the fishes, a place where they too can shelter when needed, a place for them to spawn on and in, and a place for fry to grow up in. And of course, the twigs will leach out tannins and other compounds into the water, which can impact the aquatic environment chemically. And because of their physical structure, a substrate consisting substantially of twigs can create spaces for leaves and other botanical materials to accumulate, as well as to sequester our friend, detritus, which, as we've discussed repeatedly, is a valuable secondary food for many species of fishes. And of course, a mixing of elements, sand, sediments, crushed botanicals, etc., is yet another approach you could take to creating a very unique and highly functional substrate. Allowing natural processes of decomposition to take place in and on the substrate is considered best practices in this approach. Why? Because if we try to remove some of the detritus or other offensive material from a substrate created for this purpose, we're effectively depriving someone, some beneficial organism, of their food source. 
Thus, a slowdown or even a complete breakdown of the very processes we're trying to foster occurs. Makes sense, right? There's something incredibly beautiful and useful about utilizing these alternative materials in our substrates. They've created an incredible opportunity for us as hobbyists to forge new directions in the hobby, to embrace function first and let the aesthetics unfold as a result. And most important, to appreciate the wonders of nature as it is and how these systems organize themselves into beautiful, highly unique aquariums if we let them. If we make that mental shift which says, you shouldn't have to make your substrate an afterthought. Because of the very operating system of our aquariums, which feature decomposing leaves, botanicals, soil, roots, etc., we're able to create a remarkably rich and complex population of creatures within them. Let's take advantage of this. This is one of the most interesting aspects of a botanical-style aquarium. We have the opportunity to create an aquatic microcosm on many levels, which provides not only unique aesthetics, it provides some supplemental nutritional value for our fishes and perhaps most important, nutrient processing a self-generating population of creatures that complement, indeed create, the biodiversity in our systems on a more or less continuous basis. It's important to at least understand this concept as it can relate to aquariums. It's worth doing a bit of research and pondering. It'll educate you, challenge you, and make you a better overall aquarist. Try an alternative substrate in your next aquarium, because sand is just, well, so, well, you get the idea. <laughs> anyway, stay curious, stay resourceful, stay thoughtful. Stay patient, stay creative, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tannin.